Hi everybody. Today I Snigdha Sharma I'm going to present the Hindu editorial dated 4th March 2021. This podcast is for those who do not have time to read newspaper themselves. The analysis of the editorial is given on the last segment of the podcast. Let's get started. Happy preparation. The very first article of the day is the dressage sale of national assets is unwise the government's intent to offload public sector units and banks will only result in the long term loss of public wealth this article is written by sonia gandhi the origin of the ongoing crisis in the indian economy was the fateful night of narendra modi of november 8 2016 dr manmohan singh's prescient words in parliament that demonetization would lead to a 2% drop in the gdp were not heeded by prime minister narendra modi on the contrary a badly designed and hastily hastily implemented flawed goods and services tax followed further devastating vast numbers of medium and small enterprises as well as the vast and formal sector of the economy together these twins disaster robbed millions of their livelihoods and plunged the indian economy into a prolonged slump that predates the covid-19 pandemic oil taxes psu privatization historically low international oil prices presented the government an opportunity to encourage a consumption led revival by passing on these benefits to the people instead of seizing the opportunity the modi government continues to squeeze every family's shrinking budget through excessive petroleum taxes and cesses in contrast in in 2019 It gave corporates a huge tax cut that did not generate increased investment and succeeded only in burning rupees 1.45 lakh crore sized hole in India's budget. Farm not content with these self-inflicted wounds the modi government is using the economy's collapse since the pandemic to rush headlong into its mission of handing over large portions of india's wealth to its favorite crony capitalist it has announced its intent to become cash rich by selling the family silver through hasty privatization of india's psus executed carefully and strategically disinvestment which is the sale part of government's shares and psus can generate resources for the government set the right incentives for their management and reward the investing public in that spirit in a 2019 manifesto the congress party promised a middle path to disinvest from only non crore non strategic public sector enterprises more of fire sale but the modi government has explicitly embraced privatization instead of disinvestment its choice of language signal its intent unable to manage the nation's finances unable to inspire trust in the public uh, private sector to boost investment the government has turned to distress sale of our national assets while selling assets for the short term gains make up for the long term loss of public wealth this fire sale has been justified by citing it 
enhanced efficiency and the generation of funds for the government's welfare programs this is a deceptive argument what we are likely to witness in reality is a privatization of psu profits and the nationalization of private sector losses in the garb of privatization valuable assets and profit making companies will be undervalued and sold to cronies who will make a killing on the other hand defaulters with huge loan burdens will be bailed out using public funds when the earlier ab vajpayee uh, led avatar of the national democratic alliance sold videsh sanchar nigam limited that is vsnl it failed to capture its full value this short changing the public hotels were disposed of for a song in the name of getting the government out of sectors where it did not belong if the modi government persists with its policy the public surely has a right to demand that it demonstrates transparently and explicitly how it valued a national assets and calculated reserve prices efforts to extract value from the sale of psus will also be hurt by the modi government's lack of credibility over the last few years it has failed to achieve its disinvestment targets its few disinvestment successes have been no more than getting government owned entities to purchase other psus thus the life insurance corporation of india bailed out the industrial development bank of india that is idbi the ongc bailed out hindustan petroleum corporation limited and so on. what kind of value can the nation expect to receive from this distress sale then there are also serious uh, long term consequences that are being ignored the disinvestment of part of the government stake in lic and its proposed initial public offer that is ipo are suggestive of clearing the decks to provide the crown jewel of india's insurance sector but then will a privatized lic meet our crucial long term financing needs for infrastructure projects with the long gestation periods impact on social justice the modi government's privatization policy betrays its disdain for social justice psus have historically played an active role in developing backward regions importantly through reservations psus have ensured high quality job, jobs for dalits adivasis and other backward classes once psus are private privatized or disinvested to below 50% government ownership reservation for these historically marginalized sections will become history though this government has presided over massive job losses and recorded unemployment yet it now embraces outright privatization with complete disregard to how psu employee will cope with the layoffs that will inevitably follow banks and danger in the banking sector this government has presided over an exponential rise in non performing assets or nps gross nps under its watch between 2014 to 15 and 2019 to 20 were nearly 365% higher than in the last 6 years of upa that is a 2008 to 2014 willful defaults have also ballooned under the modi government unable to fix the npa crisis the government wants to privatize public sector banks india's experience with yes banks and other private sector banks hardly suggests that privatization will eliminate greed and corruption in banking we also seem to have forgotten that it was the resilience of nationalized banks that helped save us from the worst effects of the global recession in 2008 to 2009 public sector banks have also been central to expanding financial inclusion to the unbanked in india over the last 5 decades 
will rural branches that serve a public purpose more than generating profits be ruthlessly shut down by their prospective corporate owners alongside we see that the reserve bank of india is reversing its principle long standing opposition to ownership of banks by industrial houses such a move will only lead to further concentration of the economy in a few hands heighten high heightened conflict of interest and risk a diversion of funds as a party that built india's economy on a strong foundation of the public sector and also assured in liberalization and the historic reforms of 1991 the congress party is voicing the demands of the public for transparency accountability and appropriate valuation it is our duty to caution the government and to safeguard the interest of those who will be hurt by hasty privatization case by case strategy needed many of our psus and public sector banks are profitable institutions that aid crucial developmental outcomes others require a realignment of incentives or an infusion of capital to effect a pro- profitable turnaround to derive maximum value from psus for the ex- exchequer the government should calibrate an appropriate strategy for each individual case that requires careful detailed hard work and commitment to the government's role as trustee of the nation's assets abdicating the responsibility the modi government is choosing to offload psus and public sector banks wholesale for short term gains this is wrong and cannot justify the long term loss of public wealth the rush to privatize psus confirms the people's suspicions that the modi government is merely a faithful broker to a few industrial houses the electoral bonds windfall has accrued to the ruling party reveals that these crony capitalists have already provided their down payment now the government is delivering its end of the bargain the prime minister pushes privatization asserting that the government has no business being in business he needs to be reminded that it is government that cannot manage the country's finances that cannot generate jobs that is unable to ensure inclusive growth that has to sell the nation's carefully built up asset to survive that has no business being in the government sonia gandhi is the president of international congress The next article is the perils facing Britain after Brexit the UK may be forced to come to grips with the limitation it had managed to surmount in the past this article is written by Gaurav Dagga Over 4 years after the historic referendum held in 2016 where citizens of the United Kingdom decided to leave the European Union In December 2020 the UK and EU finally struck a provisional free trade agreement as part of the Brexit deal. While the recently concluded trade and cooperation agreement charted out the key aspects of everyday governance and the rules for enforcement between the two parties at a broader level. The UK may now be forced to face the constraints it had originally escaped. Since the beginning of the 19th century Britain had the unique advantage of reliving relieving its constraints on land energy and localized power but with brexit in place the country may have to evaluate its limitation as historian kenneth domerins argues in his book the great divergence britain in the 19th century solved its land's problem by anchoring a ghost hectares 
in the americas where it could exploit the land labor and capital of the continent to relieve its hard pressed land and turn a demographic and proto industrial expansion that unlike in east asia far outspaced advances in agriculture turn into an asset for further development dr kenneth argues that without relieving its land constraint britain's demographic and proto industrial expansion could have been the basis for a later catastrophe or it could have collapsed by rising primary product prices in the 19th century hence by anchoring phantom land and acting on forces outside the market and conjuncture conjunctures beyond europe britain could achieve unique breakthroughs and enable for its rising population a standard quality of living if not for foreign land britain would have severely restricted in exploiting and conserving at the same time its limited land base with brexit however the uk may now have to find contemporary ghost hectares through its trade deals the mainstreaming of coal and oil in the 20th century ensured that britain's phantom land could be maintained in other ways as various post colonial thinkers have noted countries like india during its empire days ensured a steady supply of agricultural goods and raw materials to britain with a heavy dependency on fossil fuels britain became a consumer of energy which was in practice generated by others it was not until the 1970s that the uk started taking steps to move from being a net importer of energy to a net exporter while this dependency on the energy ghost sectors continues even today the discovery and development of high quality coal in england and wales led to the creation of its own energy system new power positions this new energy system however led to a creation of new dynamics of power position and political representation where those in control did not oversee just the flow of energy but also had the power to slow it down or disrupt it the coal mining strikes of the 1980s which margaret thatcher termed as the enemy within is a perfect example of such power and agency but with oil things became different while the power of the enemy within diminished the anchoring of the ghost hectares in obec countries continued to the extent of nearly 50% energy dependency in 2013 nevertheless an analysis reveals that for the first time in 2019 the uk generated more electricity from renewable than fossil fuels while this is a welcome step the uk's presidency at the 2021 united nation climate change conference indicates its commitment towards the paris agreement a lot is yet to be achieved the withdrawal of the uk from the eu only complicates the issue the anchoring of coastal ghost hectares via offshore wind farms is an example of the choices of the country will be forced to weigh up including the issues around living on a thin critical zone of earth lastly by the end of cold war and the fall of the soviet union it was argued by many scholars that a liberal democracy with access to a free market is the best way to organize societies an idea that all nations should pursue unequivocally unequivocally is globalization it was envisaged that the infinite expansion would last forever and national citizens will eventually become global citizens it was in this well that the maastricht treaty of the 1990s led to creation of the european union 
are Europe without frontiers. But with Brexit, where do the citizens of the UK go? For the first time in centuries, the UK faces these constraints together with an added burden, added burden of the COVID-19 pandemic, and will have to learn to pass this astounding, hailing storm and become earthbound, as French scholars, sociologist Bruno Latour calls it, and rethink its organizing structure and the relationship it with it will have with its lands. Gaurav Daga is the Associate Vice President and Guidance Industries Department, Government of Tamil Nadu. Views expressed are his personal. The next article is Persevering with our Martian fantasies, unresolved questions and the hope of finding life on the planet have intrigued, intrigued experts for decades. This article is written by C.P. Rajendran. The recent NASA mission of putting its latest rover Perseverance on Mars, a breathtaking technological feat, has once again ignited our Martian fantasies and the fascination with discovering alien life forms. Ingrained in our minds is the idea that Mars holds some sort of wherewithal in the innumerable crannies within its rocks to support traces of life. The question that whether humans will be able to make use of even such modicum of habitability to utilize its landscape is also significant, assuming that we will be able to deal with the moral question of whether to condone of the planet from human interference in case we do we do find indigenous life forms there. Noted cosmologist Carl Sagan in 1980 television series Cosmos titled an episode of Mars as a blues for a red planet. As with Earth, blue is the color radiated by water and Earth therefore presents itself as a pale blue dot to orbiters and astronauts from outer space. Sagan, passionate about Mars, saw its evolution as a subversion of Earth, one that started with equally grand designs but failed quickly to live up to the early expectations. By naming the episode on Mars as a blue for a red planet, he probably wanted to highlight his earthly longing for the sea and the sky that were thought to be distinctive early makers of habitability. The signing the blues for a dried up red planet, Sagan, who was brought up on a science fantasies by Edgar Rice Burroughs and H.G. Wells about Martian invaders of Earth, may have wanted to signal a lasting tribute to a possible glorious Martian life of the past. The Martian science fantasy of the 19th century was an offshoot of reports or reports of canals on Mars. 19th century Italian astronomer Givoni Schiaparelli had claimed that he saw water-filled cannelli or channels on the red planet. This topic assumed greater significance when a businessman turned astronomer Percival Lowell reported similar observations. After painstaking telescopic work that was set up on the desert of Arizona, Lowell, after years of observation, talked about hundreds of canals on the equatorial region of Mars. He propagated the idea that there were engineered structures used for channelizing waters from the polar regions to meet the requirements of dehydrating planet, somewhat eerily reminiscent of bleak hothouse earth triggered by the runaway greenhouse effect. A backup plan. Historically, Mars has always been depicted as a backup site for humidity to migrate to. It is now once again being promoted as such by event card entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos and Elon, Elon Musk. 
When Sagan was making its te- his television series, the Soviets were trying to explore Mars with their orbiters. Some successful missions, however, related disappointingly bone dry framers of the planet. But high resolution cameras of American sponsored orbiting mission missions launched much later showed networks or channels most likely to have been sculpted by running water. This modern research informs us that Shia Perilli and Lowell were not completely completely off the mark in their interpretation the lowell was wrong in attributing these morphological features as being engineered by intelligent beings a few weeks before his death sagan recorded a moving message for future explorers maybe we are on mars because of the magnificent science that can be done there the gates of the wonder world are opening in our time more surprises as well as disappointments were in store in 2005 the mars express satellite found evident evidence of clays that may have formed after solid rocks were exposed to water an analogous example of earth's rock inventory would testify but some scientists were not easily convic- convinced as their martian climate models failed to predict temperatures high enough for continuous generation of rain to have liquid water on the surface so it was concluded that any water on mars would have been locked up in its polar regions with brief periods of melting and flooding that carve out the valley networks though martian climate may not have been stable a corollary a corollary explanation holds the promise of life in the underground niches where stabler conditions could have prevailed such examples of subsurface life are pl- plenty in earth's environment the predecessor of perseverance the curiosity rover which has been surveying and testing the martian surface since 2012 added some interesting findings most importantly directed carbon content compounds in martian rocks and shifting levels of methane molecules in the planet's atmosphere two papers published in the journal science in 2018 concluded that these findings support the possibility of the existence of microbial life in galileo stenkate an astrobiologist at the utrecht university in commentary on the papers said the questions of whether life might have originated or existed on mars is lot more opportune now that we know that organic molecules were present on its surface perseverance with its companion on the ingenuity in unity drawn is the most complex rover ever sent to mars that has now reached its destination the 45 km wide zero crater where an old lake supposedly existed the rover will roam around this crater and sample carbonate rocks that might host algal mats called stremitolites and as we find in the oldest carbonate rocks on earth still a mystery but as a geologist i will remain skeptical until i see some hard evidence on the biogenic remains my concern is not about the existence or the original con- conducive conditions for the microbial forms of life to thrive some 4 billion years ago it may have been a reality my concern would be the complex factor that controlled the preservation potential of organic matters and other biosignatures in the 4 billion to 3.5 billion year old 
phyllosilicate rich terrains of mars which shows evidence of sustained weathering of sediments with liquid water like the rusty red and iron oxide rich laterite soil we see in the tropical regions of earth the weathered soil formation of mars may be poor medium to preserve biogenic signatures that could be one reason why the perseverance rover is programmed to seek carbonate rocks within the zuzaro zuzaro crater where the pristine nature of the original biological and climatic signals is expected to be preserved better we still do not understand the mechanism of the formation of carbonates on mars and whether they are comparable to the earth's process which are often related to oceanic settings if the search for evidence of life on mars is successful it will prove that life is ubiquitous feature of the universe and that will have momentous repercussions on how we see ourselves in the overall scheme of things but it is also equally possible that mars continues to remain a mystery if the results are now to be uncertain on the question of microbial life as cassie dreddy of planetary society and advocacy group of planetary exploration said mars excels at denying us our most fervent wishes from not fitting into the epicycles of ptolemy ptolemy to lacking the canals of lowell to supplying no organic material yet to the curiosity rover team the reality of mars has consistently irritated humanity through what history the author is an adjunct adjunct professor at the national institute of advanced studies bangalore